Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Welcome to another episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. This is your one-stop listen for all things Chelsea FCW and, of course, Fran Kirby. Oh, we love Fran Kirby. We'll get into it later. Uh, I'm merely one of your hosts. Thankfully for both me and you listeners, I'm not the only one. Miriam is here with me. How are you doing today? Oh, considering the kind of week that we've had, I'm actually doing really good, even though I'm not doing so well in the whole points tally chart. <laughs> yeah, ever since we refined the scoring system, um, I'm making a bit of a comeback. So uh, we could talk about it. Let's get into it. Let's let's uh, let's start this podcast off giving me some credit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Arsenal and City, what did you predict for, well, first of all, we'll start oh, with Arsenal. God. We played Arsenal midweek uh, on Wednesday in the FA Cup, our first FA Cup meeting uh, game for the 2021 uh, FA Cup, and we matched up against Arsenal. This was an interesting game, made even more interesting by the fact that it's obviously Chelsea-Arsenal. It's obviously a big rivalry in both the Premier League and the WSL, and for some reason, it was not on TV live to watch. Very <laughs> frustrating. Ratings. extremely ridiculous very annoying i don't even know what else to say about that but what did you predict for the game oh god i said i, I said we'd lose and i said 2-1 and i was i was quietly confident not because i don't think that we would be good enough but i thought that they'd be stronger and i guess i wasn't so clear on the fact that they didn't have knobs and they didn't have um some of the other other midfield starters so i was like you know what yeah we can we might just edge out narrowly but um no it went completely what? the other way well, yeah, it sure did. You you were predicting a, an L for Chelsea. <laughs> no confidence whatsoever. That's unfortunate. It ended up being a 4-1 thumping. Our second 4-1 uh, defeat of them in the past, what, nine, ten months? Uh, so that's fun. Extremely fun. Uh, and then, of course, in between them, we beat them in a, in a cup final. So um, that's really exciting for me. <laughs> and I think for all Chelsea fans. Uh, we didn't actually do predictions for City. Uh, so we can kind of, we can use this period to tell you how smart we are and that we both predicted 3-1 score lines. But... Yeah, I did say, I did say before we recorded that I felt it inside of me that it was <laughs> going to be that. I know I can't prove that, but just know that it was, it was happening that way even before the game had even started. I will be honest though, because we got the, the show that we got against Arsenal, I was feeling much more confident. Mm. Um, so there is that, but I, but I don't know if I would have gone three one, I probably would have done another three, two, like I did against Arsenal. Either way, I win and I get whatever points there are to be got. So congratulations to me. Um, real quick, I wanted to also note this, that, that Chelsea's run against their top two rivals, Arsenal and City, has been absurd. It's been really, really fun. And especially, you know, this week really kind of crystallized it. I mean, we faced up uh, against Arsenal on Wednesday, beat them 4-1, turned around four days later on Sunday, faced Manchester City uh, and their new signing, uh, Sam Mewis was on the pitch. He started. Roosevelt got a half hour and it didn't matter. We beat them 3-1. And for the mathematically astute among you, you'll note that that's a combined score of 7-2 to two against our two biggest rivals in just a week. That's got to make you feel good. Also, Chelsea hasn't lost to Manchester City since February 6th of 2019, over a year and a half ago. They haven't Maybe. lost to Arsenal since 2018. 2000. 
and 18. That was at least like nine years ago. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a while. It's been a hell of a run and it's been so fun. And I'm glad that we're back dominating. So just real quick, let's recap the the, the, the goal scores uh, against Arsenal, the 4-1, the four goal scores, well, the three goal scores were Magda Eriksson got a header in the fifth minute, started off quick against them. As we do, when we play them and dominate them, we tend to get a bunch of goals early and uh, Wrightson scored in the 10th minute and then the 15th minute. So they were, they were having a hard time early on. I think they were 3-1 down uh, after 15 minutes. And then in the 90th minute, uh, Beth England got sent through with a, uh, some people are calling it lucky. I think Magda Erickson meant to do it. It was kind of like a <laughs> sliding through ball that went like halfway up the pitch and it was perfect, weighted perfectly for Beth England to run onto. I'm going to give Magda the, cred- the, the benefit of the doubt on that one. Uh, and then again, City, uh, Marimielda got a penalty in the 36th minute. Controversial. Very controversial. It was controversial. Even though City got another controversial, it was I guess it was less controversial because that one definitely hit Millie Bright's arm. But uh, they were kind of dueling penalties uh, with the um, the difference being a Sam Kerr goal assisted by Fran Kirby in the 57th minute and then a, a Fran Kirby goal assisted by Aaron Cuthbert in the 79th. So because there are a couple matches uh, that we're going to re- re-reviewing, we're going to kind of give you... Uh, we're going to allow ourselves to pick one thing from each match. Uh, one thing that was cool or one thing that sucked. Uh, so you get, you get, basically you get two things. <laughs> you can do two cool things or one cool thing, one bad thing or two bad things. But if you have two bad things to say after this week, I'm going to stop recording and go home. I'm already home, but whatever. So Miriam, one cool thing or one thing that sucked? Uh, well, now I've got two cool things. Okay, go for well, it. Well, one for each game. And I guess the first one has got to be writing because I know that she hasn't sort of always been picked in the squad and um we've had a few games where Hayes change her out and change her back in but her two goals I think it just proves how much of the contribution that she has when it comes to scoring and attacking and how important it is that we have these fullbacks in sort of blank areas where we can provide goals from especially when those areas are have often not been areas of weakness for us and then for the City game I think thing that kind of stood out for me was how how we were so well able to repeat the performance we put against them in the community shield and that was just absolutely dominating midfield if there were any gaps or spaces the likes of Gene, Frank Kirby just, they found those gaps and they exploited those gaps and I guess a little bit of it, it's down to City's kind of um, almost open plan style of attack they definitely come on uh, and they counter and they break and they provide those gaps but I think the way in which we exploited them and the way in which we really sort of found a way to punish them almost I think that was quite impressive to see and it's just interesting to see whether or not we can carry that on to Spurs who we play in the FA Cup in a few weeks time Yes, and we'll get into breaking them down in just a second. For me, though, my thing that sucked, and I absolutely do have a thing that sucked because it happened in both games. Bethany England started on the bench. I'm not a fan. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm not a fan. Not a fan of this at all. She was too dominant, has been too dominant. Two of the best seasons in the WSL have been Bethany England's prior two seasons, and she's just too good to to leave on the bench like this. I'm disappointed, so it makes me frustrated. But one extremely cool thing was our second second goal versus City, where basically the main lesson of that goal was never play poker with Ann Katrenberger. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive in to our, uh, we're going to break down from front to back.
back as we're back to front as we do. Uh, and we're going to kind of talk about both games at once. So we'll make sure that we're clear when we're talking about Arsenal, the Arsenal game, and when we're talking about the City game. So I guess we can start talking about the back line. The only difference on the back line versus the two matches was that uh, Maria Thorstater came in for Mayor Mielda right back. Uh, but the rest of the back line, I think, was unchanged. So are we also, sorry, we had um, Carly Telford in a goalkeeper for Berger against for Arsenal. So how do you think they did uh, against Arsenal? I think it was a pretty strong performance from both, especially considering that Arsenal like to use their flank play. They like to put balls over the top. And the fact that we were playing with three at the back made it quite narrow for us. But I think a formation like that, it sort of inspires confidence. You've got to know how you're playing that, especially against Laksa Medima and Van der Donk. And I think it was especially important that Arsenal were without some of their midfield players, like we mentioned before, Nobs wasn't there and there were some other players missing as well. They didn't have the same kind of playmakers, which made it a little bit easier for that back three. But I think it was quite a strong performance all round. And uh, we really managed to almost like sort of suppress and take the life almost out of Arsenal's front uh, front three. Yeah, I will say we're, we're you know, our, that back line really knows what it's doing when it comes to defending yeah. Miedema. I think they're the only ones that can really just not even keep her like, you know, being less effective. They keep her quiet. Like I know she had a couple shots in that game and, and it took some saves. I think Carly Telford had a couple of saves uh, that she had to make from her, but nowhere near the string pulling dominant performance where, where Miedema just takes over an entire back line, dominates them any which way she wants to. Uh, she has a really difficult time going up against Millie Bright and Magda Erickson. And honestly, who wouldn't? <laughs> They're two of the best. So um, that was really good to see. So um, we can transition now to City. What do you think of the back line versus City? This was your more traditional back line. Berger, of course, is back in goal. Mielda was on the right, uh, but then it was straight across the same with uh, Magda and Millie uh, at the middle, and then uh, uh, Jonna Anderson on the left. But without sort of speaking too much about it, because we are about to go on to, I think our midfield actually was so strong um, in sort of pressing and gaining possession and stopping counterattacks. I feel like our back four didn't have that much to do. Um, they were able to be strong and and sort of solid at the back because the channels of attack normally through that the likes of Mewis, Lavelle, Kira Walsh provided just weren't open and you could see that Ellen White was really starved of chances she was kind of playing that lone striker role like the lone kind of version where you just don't get any chances or and I think um, it made it so much easier for the back four to play in the way that we know they can but also to also come out and provide passes and um, really push into the, that higher midfield where the likes of Fran Kirby and Gia then able to take the ball up so I think it was it was a strong performance from a back four, but it was made a little bit easier just because of how we were operating in the centre of the pitch. Yeah, and against Manchester City, I mean, they had nine total shots and just two on target. Yeah. That is absurd, right? <laughs> that is absurd. Now, part of it was because we really, like you mentioned, we really choked the midf- midfield. It was very interesting because they're a really high, aggressive pressing team. But we also did some interesting things, I thought, from the back line to kind of protect from against what they do. And I, I'm going to mention this here because it's, it's we'll talk about the midfields because they did other things in midfield. But just to like basically play around on, they played on the outside of C- City's press. So instead of trying to build through the center. Sometimes you would see Aaron Cuthbert or G come down and they would almost take the place of the fullback and the fullback would tuck in closer to the center back and they would form almost this like assembly line to just like move the ball up the flank. And by the time it got to either uh, G wide or, or Cuthbert wide, there would they would just knock the ball up the line and there was nobody there. 
That's how um, that's how a number of attacks and we just we just went right around them. Uh, that was how a number of attacks unfolded. And it was really kind of neat to see at first. I was like, why is G all the way back there, like standing, standing <laughs> in like he's in a fullback position. And, you know, we've talked about before Millie Bright sometimes will go over there, but they needed uh, Millie Bright in the center just to draw those city players in. And then they start moving the ball wide and knocking it up. And, you know, part of that is why Fran Kirby had such a dominant game against Stokes. And we'll talk about her in a second uh, in, in the city game. But I thought Chelsea had a really good game plan and were really smart in how they stayed away from City's press. You know, I, I think City also turned them turned the ball over. Um, we turned the ball over a little bit uh, when we tried to build through the, the center, but they never really adjusted to try to press us on the wings to try to funnel the ball back to the center. And we just kept killing them with that. Um, and it was really interesting tactical move. So we talked about it a little bit. Let's go ahead. Midfield, uh, Arsenal's midfield, or the midfield against Arsenal. What did you think? Well, I think having that double pivot in there with Inkle and G, it really made it so much harder for Arsenal to push out and beat our press and find ways of instigating counterattacks. And um, then again, when I saw that Hayes dropped, she dropped sort of Ingle for the City game, I was a little bit dubious about how G would work alone. But I think that G performed just as well as she did against Arsenal with Ingle as she did by herself um, a little bit further up with loopholes behind her against Man City. And I think it was it was especially important for for us to play that way against Arsenal because of just what the likes of Andy Duncan and Dima are capable of, despite the fact that you know they were players missing. But our midfield again was able to snap up possession to stop them from uh, instigating breaks, uh, able to pick up the ball and sort of turn around and provide the likes of Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr. I think we're finally starting to see that we are capable of, of having a transitional midfield, which is able to not only just play out in terms of possession, but also defend in a way that we would really like to see week in, week out. Yeah, and yeah. I also, you know, against Arsenal, one thing that was interesting is that game basically almost didn't have a midfield. If you watch the replay <laughs> of that match, and I, and I suggest you do, even though I don't know if they really deserve it for not letting us watch it live, the players definitely deserve it. Um, but whoever makes decisions for hiding that game and making people watch a replay, um, all the bad words to them. Uh, but uh, that was really like a like an old school, like a last season, late last season uh, Chelsea game where basically there was no midfield. It was no midfield, just vibes. <laughs> That's the Twitter way to say that. Uh, where basically anytime somebody got a hold of the ball, they just knocked it up and, and, and it, it was like an instant attack. So the midfields were, were not as, uh, didn't have as much control. Chelsea just happened to be the more clinical, I think, in that match. And, and like you mentioned, uh, Arsenal were without two of their best players uh jill roard and uh and jordan Nobbs, have been on fire for them and not having both of those players really kind of limited their chances or what they were able to build once they did get on the ball but against city loopholes is excellent she yeah. is an excellent just her movement i like she's one of those players where when she doesn't have the ball if you want to learn more about the game you just watch her she is fantastic like there were a number of times especially when the ball was turned over where she sprints into a spot just to make sure she's cutting out a passing angle or she's limiting an option of a player or something like just her intelligence and her ability to just be where she needs to be without the ball is just world-class she is a fantastic player uh, and I saw her do that a lot versus City where even if it wasn't her they got you know the touch on the ball that forced the bad pass she kept the ball somewhere to where we could close and press and get the ball back or she was in the way of, of a pass or she was she was kind of bothering somebody or not where the uh, city wanted her to be so they can complete a pass or they could find another option. She just is really, really intelligent player. 
and then G. When G plays like she does against City, that's the G we want. And I know people have been asking us like, oh, how about G now? You know, yeah. you guys wanted her on the bench. And it's like, we, on our- We always the... knew that she wasn't like this. So we said it before, we saw it against her when she played in, against City in the community shield. Right. It's like we don't see it enough of her. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, when, it, when the matches aren't Manchester City, when they aren't Arsenal, she doesn't seem to be able to replicate these performances. But- I will absolutely take them 10 times out of 10 against Arsenal and Manchester City. If those are the only matches she plays, then fine. But she found a gear uh, and she went right into dominating like we know she can do. Uh, she's so clever at finding space and exploiting space and drawing players to her and leaking the ball through to where someone like Fran Kirby can run onto it. She released Pernell Harder a couple times in the first half and Harder just didn't have the, the finishing touch to get it uh, to get the goal. But G was exceptional. And as I mentioned earlier, she also had that extra tactical tweak of coming in much deeper than we normally see her uh, to help Chelsea build around the press. So she played a complete game, ran all over the place. I mean, she was at fullback. She was at attacking midfield. She was at central midfield. Uh, she was all over the place. Uh, and then same with Aaron Cuthbert. I have to shout out Aaron Cuthbert. I know I've talked about her before, but she has been like, I think I said on Twitter before that like it is almost extremely rude when you have, you know, Melanie Lupo's really just kind of like shutting down, being dominant, being a strong presence in the middle of the pitch, uh, being able to move the ball side to side. You have G who can kill you when she gets the ball to her feet. Of course, you have the attackers and everybody and, and, the, um, and the wingers kind of flanking them. Uh, so you have like a real dangerous setup all the way around and a strong back line. And then you just drop Aaron Cuthbert in the middle of that, of that and tell her to go crazy. And she just goes crazy. Like she was pressing players. She was running full speed at players. <laughs> Even late in the game, she was taking shots. She was setting up shots. She was, she's just an incredible, I mean, basically she's a baller. Put her in the pitch and you just let her go. Say, go do football things. And she goes and does football things. <laughs> she is a fun play. And I really like this role for her. It's like a little wild card role where you don't really know where she's going to pop up. And I know the defense has to hate that. Unless you're like man marking her and literally sticking to her, but that's always tough as well because you're never quite sure where she is. Like you said, she's always popping up in different places and she's always capable of providing the skill that is needed, whether that's to provide a cross or through ball or to be on the other end of it. She's just a bag of skills. You're not always sure which one she's going to produce. I think that yeah. level of unpredictability is, a, is an important asset to our attack because without it, we would just have um, we, we'd be figured out quite easily. We have, we've had issues with that in the past, but when we have her in the team, uh, there's so much more to our attack. It's like a next level kind of attack. It's like Chelsea 2.0, really. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think the bag of skills is the, is the right way to say it. I mean, she she just, I mean, she just has a way of popping up in the right spaces and what she can do when she has the ball. She can dribble by you. She can unleash an ungodly shot. She has a hell of a shot with either foot or she can make a pass. Uh, she's, she's got vision and she has a technique to make a nice pass as well, whether it has to be simple or it's a complex pass. And so just like letting her be a wild card and attack is just brutal. It's a brutal thing to do. Like you can mark mark up you know you can you can stick to you can try to stick to Sam Kerr you can stick to you know you can try to stick to, to Frank Kirby you can try to stick to some of the other players you can even harass G and make her uh you know p play the ball back but what are you going to do with Aaron Cuthbert she's gonna she's never going to be where you expect her to be <laughs> 
And then when you when you do see her, it's almost like it's too late because she's in a dangerous position or she's closing you down and she's about to take the ball from you. <laughs> so like I, I'm just shout out to her, man. She has had an absurd season and this role of hers I'm, I'm really, really enjoying. Um, so do you have anything else you want to say about the midfield before we move on to attack? Um, no, just uh, I thought, like we mentioned, pressing was the important thing. And I think um, we've had issues in the past where we tried to press and we haven't been able to kind of do it over the full game. And that's because cultivating a team that is able to press and um, win back the ball and it's intense like that is quite difficult. So it's something you can just learn. I think we struggle with that quite a lot. But it seems like we're slowly starting to get a grip of how to do that intensively over 90 minutes and really kind of forcing our opponents to give away possession high the pitch or forcing them to make mistakes and that resulting in goals. And I think that's that's an element that I'm really excited to see develop. Absolutely. Okay. So the attack. We'll start with the attack versus Arsenal. Um, what did you think of, uh, of the attack versus Arsenal? It was 4-1, so had to be fairly good. Yeah, it was just, it was really sort of exciting to see that many goals, actually, because we've had a few weeks where we've kind of struggled to actually finish our shots or be clinical enough. And I think that was a game where everything was kind of just falling into place. Yeah, and it's really, I think that's kind of the the kind of game where Guru Wrighton and she scored two goals, but this is the kind of game, that's the kind of game where she excels because she just pops up and her technique with her left foot is perfect. Like, I, I, I really think that thing is made of wires and advanced technology. Like, she can really, like, drop that. Like, she can, the way she strikes the ball with her left foot is absurd. She can hit any target from any distance. Uh, I think it was Sam Kerr's first goal for Chelsea against Arsenal last uh, last season where she had that ridiculous looping. It was almost like what a 40, 50 yard uh, curling (laughs) assist to the back post where she just, it like dropped out of the sky right on Sam Kerr's head. Like that's, that's why Wrighton is an amazing player. And she was just in the right place at the right time uh, for two of those goals. One was the interesting little flick where I wonder if she actually got the last touch on it, but it went in the goal. It's her goal. No complaints there. (laughs) Um, Against City, what did you think uh, with the the current harder position? How do you think they played together? Uh, What did you think about the attack uh, against City? I don't think it was entirely compatible, especially for Harder, because I just felt as if she was a little sort of, uh, you know, a few seconds behind or a pace behind everything. Not obviously because of her fault, but because I think that relationship really works best when England is playing there. And I think having Harder play there really kind of showed me how well it is that England does that job and that role. you know, Harder was finding herself in places where she could have shot a goal. There were moments where she kind of stood possession a little bit. She was finding herself in the right places, but just not sort of able to convert in a way that I think England would or not able to push on and find players in sort of quick manner where they England can. But I think I was so impressed with the way that she was playing in that role. And I think having Sam Kerr and then Fran Kirby also in the mix gave it a bit more balance because Kirby was just like, she was in there she was pressing she was getting possession she was she was pushing and hounding in a way that we know that Fran absolutely can but I think that having England playing from the start would have made a little bit more sense um Harder looks like she needs a bit more time to acclimatize yeah I'm gonna agree with that I, I think it's it's interesting when you watch Harder because you see the movement you see her knowledge of space you see her being able to be pop up in dangerous areas you see her being able to create shots uh, for herself and other players but you also see she's almost like in this weird adjustment period that happens mm-hmm. when you go from one league to another and especially from a league that's not quite as I'll say fast or aggressive or whatever you know the Frown Bundesliga is a good league at the top but it doesn't have the level of depth 
and it doesn't have, I mean, they were the, Wolfsburg is, is the Manchester City, is the Chelsea of the WSL, and there aren't too many other teams that can really match them. Bayern Munich gets close, uh, but Wolfsburg really runs it. And so it's like her coming from that to the WSL, she's in this weird adjustment period where when she needs to do things quickly, she's doing them too slowly. When she needs to take her time, she's doing them too quickly. <laughs> and you saw that, I think, in the City match where the ball was worked, she was in space with the ball, and either she rushed a shot or, you know, there was one where it was a really lovely counterattack. I can't remember exactly who sprung it. I think it was one of those that went from, like, um, Fran Kirby, I think, to Aaron Cuthbert, who, like, left the, swept the ball over to Harder, and she just wasn't, she didn't read it in time, and she wasn't close enough to get to the ball to be able to make a maneuver with the ball because Lucy Bronze basically just put her shoulder into her and knocked it off. And she ended up, I think she even lost the ball. I'm not sure if we recycled possession or if she lost the ball entirely. But I mean, and obviously Lucy Bronze is a great player, but if she's up to speed, that's Pernell Harder. She's going to put a move on her. She's going to kind of faint, do a feint and take a step and be able to take get a shot off. Or she's going to be able to make a pass back uh, to to whoever passed it to her. Like you just see this, this, uh, the thought processors are there. They're just not coming in the exact moment we they need to. So I think part of that is her still adapting. And part of that, like you mentioned, is her trying to learn how to play with Sam Kerr. It is a little different. Um, and, and I know she's used to this kind of like second striker role, but this is also one of the reasons why I was cl- uh, clamoring for her to play more as a 10, because when she's, she basically gets to own that space that drops off and she doesn't have to worry about that. Like that's where she's so good. That's where she maximizes her ability when she's in that space. It's like right above the box, a little, you know, a few yards, you know, below. And she just kind of roams that little space. You know, everybody's tired of saying half space, but it's basically what it is. And that's where she she does her work and she's ex- excellent at that. And if she has two strikers ahead of her that are taking care of the center backs, I think that she can really excel in that because she'll have the space, she'll have the time. She has the technique and all the skills in the world. Uh, I just think, think that right now we're playing her more as like a, she's almost like a secondary nine <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I don't think that that's right now. She's not up to the speed of the WSL just yet to be as effective, but I don't want to take anything away from her. She had some really good play uh she did do some good pressing uh she did leave some she did come back fairly deep uh, at times to be able to press the ball and she's really good with just like reading reading play reading space we have a lot of, of players who are really good at understanding space and when she would come back and nick the ball from somebody it's almost like she would do that and flick the ball into space in one move uh she did it a couple times to kind of spring chelsea on a counterattack. uh so she definitely can play almost box-to-box type player because she is so good uh, at understanding space. And whenever she gets the ball, she knows where she wants to put it. It's just that final like little click and attack doesn't, doesn't really come. So um, I, want, I want to hear you talk a little bit about the penalty. What you think about it? You said it was controversial. I want to know your thoughts on the penalty. And I also want to hear you talk about the uh, Chelsea's third goal versus City because I'll take care of the second. It was controversial because um, I think as soon as the ball came in, a lot of Chelsea players called for handball and obviously we don't have VAR. So I think based on the the response it got from the players and just from the position that um, Stokes and, and White were on the floor, I think it was a very quick decision made in the moment. And like I said, we can't go back on those decisions because there is no technology to provide that. Um, once you see the, the the replay in slow motion, it's actually ridiculous because it, it seems to hit... <laughs> 
um, I think it hits Stoke on like her stomach area, and there's that picture of yeah. her where she's holding her shirt up. Um, it hits her <laughs> on the stomach, and it, it, you know, Ellen White just happens to be standing very close, and you know, they all kind of fall on the floor. The replay shows that it was not a penalty, and you know, here's a here's the issue, or herein lies the issue that there was no way of uh, recovering that information or showing that replay. So the goal was um, the penalty was given, and it was converted pretty emphatically by Mielder, and I think that you know, then sort of having that penalty that really bright gave away I think you could see how relieved the referee looked almost like okay well I messed up that first one but this one is definitely a penalty I think anyone who was watching it from live action could see straight away that you know maybe Bright's arm was just out there and it, it kind of slapped her hand also in the process of the ball hitting her Real quick on the on on a uh, on the penalty that Ellen White supposedly gave away, I agree with you. The only thing I'll say is that if you're Ellen White, you're you're you've been around long enough to know you don't go all wacky arm waving tube man behind a player because it was really just the flailing of her arms that made it look like she hit the ball. So even though there wasn't contact, what her arms were doing were not like natural movements. So to me, it's like even though it's extra- incredibly harsh, and you are right. If you had, if there was any uh, replay on that, they obviously rescind that penalty. But it's also like, don't flail your arms around like that when you're in the penalty area, because sometimes that can happen. Yeah, and um, I think it didn't kind of help in the way that she was reacting, because yeah. it kind of made her look even more guilty. Just sort of how <laughs> how angry she was, standing there with her arms outspread, and you know, all the city players were rushing the ref. Um, but I think at that point, there's no way of recovering the decision. It's done, it's done. But it's obviously ridiculous when you look back and to see that actually it wasn't even close to being a penalty. All right, I'll, I'll take this. We'll go in order. I'll take the second goal. So the second goal was, that was a no-doubter. Obviously, there were no controversial calls there. Fran Kirby was onside. Sam Kerr was well onside. That's it. What I want to talk about, though, well, first, but let's back it up. Because this move happened about, mm, I don't know how many minutes. It was probably like somewhere between five and eight minutes before the actual goal happened, where Aaron Cuthbert received the ball is almost the same place that G received the ball. And she did a little flick over the top to Fran Kirby. The difference here was Lucy Bronze read it because Kurt, uh, Sam Kerr didn't start running until she realized that, that Fran Kirby was going to run on. She was going to be first to the ball. And then Lucy Bronze was able to cut in front of Sam Kerr. And then um, Fran Kirby had to loft the ball high. And she did end up finding Sam Kerr's forehead at the far post, but Sam Kerr couldn't direct it back across goal. But that happened. And then it's almost like, Chelsea found something once that happened. And I don't know if this is something they teach. I don't know if Berger did this on her own, but I want you to go watch that goal, (laughs) that whole sequence again. It was fantastic. And this is why I say don't play poker with Ann Katrin Berger. It was a kind of a nothing play from City. They lumped the ball up up high to their forward. I think it was Ellen White who got her head on it and it just rolled back into the box. And this was like, what? How? I mean, when was this going? The 56th minute or something? Mm. Uh, 57th minute was the goal. <clears throat> so it was early in the match and Chelsea's only leading one nothing. This isn't really a time-wasting situation for, for a team like Chelsea. So... And she kind of lets the ball roll in her in the in the box, and she just kind of you know right by it, not picking it up, just kind of letting it roll, not doing anything. Ellen White realizes that that's happening, and so she starts trotting towards Berger. Berger's still letting it roll, still not doing anything with it. <laughs> she can, Ellen White kind of looks back at her at her players and it's at her teammates, and it's almost like okay, let's get in position, let's press. And they're they're getting in a position. You see Chloe Kelly, especially she's on the left. She gets in position. She's ready to she's ready to jump on it. 
you know, the pressing triggers going through, rehearsing everything she's supposed to do no matter where the ball goes. And then, you know, she, Ellen White's getting a little closer. Berger's still not really doing anything, just kind of hanging out. Um, and then Ellen White gets up on her and she picks up the ball. And now Berger is still not in a rush. She's still just holding the ball, you know, moving kind of slow, you know, taking kind of slow steps. She's just waiting. And what she was waiting for is for Samantha Mewis to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's exactly what happened. As soon, and you see it. You see her see it. I, it. Seriously, watch this. It is so fun to watch because she's moving really slowly, almost very purposefully. And then the minute she sees it, she just winds up and launches the ball down the center of the pitch. And it goes, it floats over City's press because all the players had pushed up to do their pressing. It, it flies over them. Sam Mewis is not near, uh, not close enough to G. And that's exactly what Berger was waiting for. G controls the ball well. I think she takes it off her chest and then a little touch and she dinks it, loops it over to Fran Kirby. And Fran Kirby's away. Uh, this time, Kerr is right on it. Lucy Bronze has no chance to get into her, get it to get uh, across from her or anywhere near her. Um, it was big, basically became a foot race between Sam Kerr and Steph Hosen. And guess what? Obviously, Sam Kerr is winning that one. Perfect assist by Fran Kirby, by the way. She played it early uh, because, because and she was allowed to play it early because Sam Kerr moved so quickly. And because Sam Kerr moved so quickly, there Ellie Roebuck was just stranded. There was she couldn't come out and collect that. She would have given away a penalty. There was nothing to do but sit there and just watch the ball be kicked into the back of the net. <laughs> Seriously, watch that goal again. It was crafted from Berger, just kind of baiting Chelsea uh, City's defense or attack. And they're basically their press. You say, okay, you guys want to be aggressive with your press? Go ahead. I'm going to allow you to set up. I'm going to allow you to come forward. I'm going to, in fact, I want you to come forward, get yourselves all set up because you just think I'm going to kick the ball wide to one of my center backs and then you're going to pounce on them. Nope, not at all. <laughs> she winds up and throws it half the length of the pitch. And then uh, a second later, there's a goal. It is fantastic. And now you can talk about the third goal. What, what can I say? You just you just had to see it. It was just Fran Kirby at her best in every way possible. And she's so, so quick. I think once she was away and once that through ball had found her, you know, got to her feet, I knew it was going to be a goal straight away. She just has the intelligence and the ability to know exactly where the goal is, exactly where Roebuck was, exactly how to get around her and just to put the ball away. And before you know it, before you've even blinked, it's all over and she scored. And I think that's the most impressive thing about her this season is that despite all the injury and how long she had to um, spend on the sidelines and all the doubts she had about her performances, but she's come back this season in almost unplayable form. And um, I think there was a stat going around. She scored, I think, 11 goals in her last 12 uh, WSL games. And she's just come back in absolutely amazing form. How do you even defend against that? <laughs> there's, there's absolutely no way. It's just, she's very powerful also on the ball. And we saw this throughout the game with her pressing and her handing. She's able to play that role as well. But once she has the ball and she knows what she's going to do with it, there's very, there's very few people who can defend against her. And I think City just got unlucky in that sense especially with the through ball. There were loads of gaps opening up in the sort of the last 10 minutes of the game. And there wasn't enough sort of protection around Kirby and she was able to pick up that ball and go through. But it's just, it's exactly what you expect from her, especially this season, especially from what we've already seen. And if she continues like this, then there's absolutely no reason why she shouldn't really get into the double figures in terms of her scoring numbers. Yeah, and, and I will say this was another one of those things where that goal was built up by Chelsea doing that thing around City's press. Yeah. 
Um, and Beth England came deep and, and Frank Kirby went ahead of her, which I think caused some confusion in City's back line. But it was basically Berger got the ball out, I think, to Erickson. Erickson got it to Anderson. Anderson headed up the line to Cuthbert. And then Cuthbert basically had a through ball that went basically, what, halfway up the pitch <laughs> on the ground. Uh, and, and Frank Kirby was able to run onto it. But it was another one of those. They just went around the press and and had a, a one pass towards a, towards a shot at goal or towards creating a chance. It's really awesome. And I got to say. 100% agree with you with Frank Kirby. Demi Stokes had a rough day. And I even feel, I feel bad for her almost in, in, a, in a way. I only feel bad for her because we won. But, but that looked like it wasn't fun at all. If you rewatch the game, it is just like Frank Kirby is on her when, when Stokes gets the ball, Frank Kirby's pressing her, getting her foot on the ball, making her make a mistake or, or knocking the ball off of her out of, out of play. And then when Frank Kirby has the ball, she's either baiting her into a foul, baiting her in, into kicking the ball out and giving Chelsea a throw and letting them bring players up and settle so the press doesn't work anymore. Or she's running by her. <laughs> it just looked like a really bad, no fun day for Demi Stokes. And she's a really good fullback. But uh, Fran Kirby was on another level. And uh, that really, really, really showed. So, all right. So we're really happy. Uh, we 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 did we took some questions from Twitter. You guys are really happy too. There's a lot of G and Bethany England questions in here, <laughs> but we will try to do this in a quick fire round of questions. Um, we may even alternate. I don't think we both need to say anything about this because I think you all know where we stand. And if you don't, ask me on Twitter and I'll tell you. Um, so quick fire round, real quick uh, for you, Miriam. Let's go. Does G keep this kind of performance up, or do you still want to replace her in midfield? I think I would keep her because I think um, if I was on the head, it's like then we played these two games and you've absolutely smashed it. Can you do this again? I want to feel you again and I want to see you do it again. And if you can't, I'll drop you. I think Hayes needs to be a bit more decisive in that sense. It's very clear that G can play at that level. She can play in a way that, that makes her unplayable and it makes her so difficult to defend against. But if she's not able to replicate that in the games that um, proceed outside of games like Chelsea, City and Arsenal, then I think it's it's a question as to whether or not there's still more of her game that needs to be developed and whether or not there's something she needs to continue working on. So yeah, I would continue. I would put her in because I think it also shows it shows that a player has performed well when you continue playing them. You've done amazing in these two games. I'm going to play you again. And maybe that might even incentivize her to, to play well or to continue playing well in a consistent way. So yeah, I would. I would continue playing her in the starting eleven. Yeah, it's almost like if she can do this against, you know, teams that aren't, you know, Arsenal and Manchester City, then there's no question. Mm. But it's just a matter of seeing her do it and, and having her do it consistently. And it's difficult. It's a difficult ask. I'm not saying it's not a tough ask because it is difficult for a number of reasons. You know, most most clubs aren't on a level of Manchester City. There's not the rivalry. There's not the intensity. Uh, you don't get some of the tactical battle. Some of the times there is no tactical battle because teams just stack in with, <laughs> with their banks of four, two banks of four, and there's nothing you can do. So I understand that it's difficult, but that's what G is on the pitch to do to figure it out, to get the ball in dangerous areas. Areas. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think you need to see it one more time, but I also think that you have to be quick to not to, to change it up against, especially against competition where they're doing that, where they're using that tactic because G still hasn't figured out uh, or shown that she can pick through that. So I don't know if you just reserve it for the big games or what, but you know, whatever, we'll see. Um, second question is why isn't Bethany England being featured in Hayes' strongest starting 11? It's kind of similar to the next question. So I think we'll take that as a double. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like, yeah, if this is Chelsea's best starting 11, if this is the starting 11 that brings in performance like we've seen against Arsenal Men City, then why isn't Beth starting? Million dollar question. Um, I think it's it's more so that perhaps Hayes feels comfortable in playing 
Kerr up there by herself, knowing that we've got an extra midfielder in Harder and, and then Kerr BNG. So it's almost like if you've got all these playmakers, then surely Kerr should find or should have a, a number of different ways to net. And also, if you've got all those playmakers, then those playmakers will also be scoring. So you're not actually like hindering chances of people scoring, even though England isn't playing. So maybe it's not like she hasn't lost anything in that sense, but it's also the question, what can England provide that is more than what we already have? Yeah, and that's one of the things I think for me is that Bethany England, I think if you, now obviously Sam Kerr is Sam Kerr, and Sam Kerr is a great, great player. Her, her movement, her athletic ability is um, is incredible. She's an incredible player. I just, but I also think that because Bethany England knows how to score in the WSL, if you give her the same chances at goal, I think she scores more goals than Sam Kerr has so far. And I don't think that's, an, that's a stretch, but this is why I also think that I want to see the three of them play together because I, I still think that that is Chelsea's best 11 and it's like against maybe against Manchester City it's not <laughs> because G knows what she's doing against Manchester City she she knows how to attack Manchester City she knows where that space is going to be and she's shown that time and time again but I just think that when you have a player I mean Bethany England we we keep talking about her we have to remember like her previous two seasons in the WSL have been absurd she was at basically a goal a game pace uh last season and she was racking up assists she was racking up goals and that is what she's there for that's what she does and she single-handedly uh kept us and she single-handedly kept us from losing some games and single-handedly kept us um helped us win games with her goals particularly a cup final so like Bethany England is such a good player that it's difficult for me to see her on the bench so much because when you have a player who is that excellent she's the best striker in England when you have a player that excellent I don't know if you can say that your best 11 doesn't include her I just I, there are no easy answers but this is kind of what Emma Hayes put, got herself a situation she got herself into when she recruited Sam Kerr and Pernell Harder like we're glad to have them but you can't just say okay well I'm gonna put Bethany England on the bench because I have these other two players it's not fair and it's really not I think a route to the strongest team you guys have probably heard that rant before and I'm sorry <laughs> move on to the next question uh was the role harder was playing in the city game what you guys wanted to see well yes and no I mean we spoke about this briefly briefly before um it was kind of good to see harder in that advanced position good to see her uh, being able to read the space and provide those chances but she just wasn't as clinical in finishing them or even providing to others because that's just not where her strengths lie and I think you know, seeing a little bit further back, we normally would say in place of G, but in this instance, she plays so well. Um, it was good to experiment there to see exactly how she does perform in that role. But like we said, there's still this period where she's getting used to being in this team and the style that we play and the style that, you know, is played here in the WSL. So I think it was pretty much a given that, you know, it wouldn't be 100%. Yeah, and, and I'm, I agree with you. It was parts of the role, like when she would drop deeper into those spaces. Yes, those were the kind, that's the kind of role that I think she excels at. And there's a lot of data and a lot of analysis of her game to, to support that. Uh, and actually in the, in the show notes, um, in, the, in the description of this episode, I'll probably drop a little article in there uh, that does a better job of explaining it than I, than I can. Uh, right now, but uh, Harder is one of those space interpreter type of players where she really thrives 
on being bought. She, she's not a run off the shoulder type of type of player. And I think that in the Frauen Bundesliga, she scored a ton of goals because she's great at finding space, but she also didn't come up against some strong defenses like we have, especially some of these really packed defenses and real, really well organized defenses that are in the WSL. And so I think where she's going to be, where she would be maximized is a role that is basically extremely secondary striker or that number 10 role, um, because it just gives her an opportunity to float around and find those spaces. And she's really a good uh, creator. She's a creator of goals more than she is, I think, most of anything else. And whether she's creating goals for herself with her movement or other players, I think that's an underrated uh, game, uh, part of her game, because so many people focus on the goal scoring record, which, to be clear, is genuinely absurd. <laughs> but I think we've already seen that she's not going to be able to replicate that type of performance mm-hmm. in the WSL, at least not this season. And I would dare say she's probably not going to get like 20 goals a season in the WSL. Could be wrong. Record this. Keep keep hold of this if you want. <laughs> when, she, when she's scoring 25 goals a season, uh, three seasons on. But I, I think that's a little bit too much of an ask. And you have to kind of look at the skill set and the player profile and say, how does this fit? Where can I maximize uh, this talent? So, all right. You guys have probably heard that before too. Sorry. <laughs> one last question. Yes. One last question. Guru. It's about Guru writing. Uh, she may be on the bench a lot this season, which is a shame, says the question. Is there a way for her to fit into the squad alongside the other good players? Well, we've got so many games coming up and different competitions. It's more than likely that we're going to see her again. Uh, maybe not so consistently in the in the WSL, but definitely again in the FA Cup and you know the Conti Cup. We've continued playing in that, but also the Champions League. We're going to have a lot of rotation involved. It's not that she's not good enough. It's clear that she is. She provides a lot of attacking contribution from the attack, and she's more than able to score. But um, it's more about sort of thinking that in that midfield role, uh, Cuthbert provides a lot more flair, and she's just like we said, a bag of tricks. She provides much more than Wrighton. I think Wrighton's having to take a back seat as a result of that. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's kind of it's kind of difficult to to tell a player like you're not as versatile as Aaron Cuthbert. So sorry, but that's pretty much where Chelsea's squad is at. You know, it's like we have an incredible squad, and they're going to have to be tough decisions. And I think Wrighton is going to find herself out uh, a few times. And but like you said, we do have we're still in every competition this season. We're gonna have a lot of games, even though our next game isn't for nearly a month. Yep. <laughs> Aston Villa had some issues with COVID-19, so they're shutting things down, and Chelsea's match with them has been postponed, um, which you know is a good thing. Hopefully, all those players are okay. The players who are positive are uh, recover fully. And are okay. So we're going to send our well wishes to them. Hopefully everything's all right. You know, this is a reminder that we are in these awful times and the pandemic has not gone away and won't for a while. So a bit of a somber note, sorry, but it's true. And this is where we are. So so Chelsea's next game is against Tottenham uh, in the FA Cup on the 4th of November. Kickoff is 7 p.m. UK time. Um, Mariam, what do you know? What are you scared about, if anything, with this match uh, against Spurs? Well, I think one thing that we can share with Spurs is that, you know, they're not as clinical up front. And we haven't been clinical up front, even though we've got, you know, a couple of amazing strikers in the bag. But for them, it's obviously different because they don't have that out-and-out striker. They've got the likes of Gemma Davison and, you know, Addison and even um, Ayan playing in the sort of playmaker role. But they don't have that that Sam Kerr. They don't have that Beth England I think that lack of clinicality is it's really showed across their their opening games and you know they haven't they haven't scored yet, which is amazing to think. 
I think they they had a they did have a goal against West Ham in the opening game, but that was an own goal. And then they've conceded eleven goals against the likes of uh, Man City, Everton, Arsenal, and Man United, and they're now ninth in the table. So I think um, the issues clearly lie from a lack of scoring or the ability to not be able to score. Because in terms of their midfield and defence, it's not that bad, and they provide a lot of stuff on the flanks, especially to Neville. She's the one who kind of likes to get forward the most. But um, I think that that sort of final pass will finish kind of vibe is what they're missing and that kind of does lead us to the whole Alex Morgan question there is a, a North London derby in the mix before they play us so it's interesting to see if she plays in that then then it's you know there's a good chance that we might see her play again against us yeah and it's a little disappointing what's happening with with Chelsea having to you know wait so long for another match I mean especially you you know it's, it's almost like we looked at the looked at the you know the fixture list and you're thinking oh man that Arsenal Manchester City run is going to be difficult uh, but you win both of those matches and, and quite convincingly and you seem to figure something out and now you have to wait so long before you play again and that is you know that there's a danger to where that you know kind of takes away any momentum takes away some things you know players might be rusty at that time who knows if they'll still have like uh, the kind of match sharpness match fitness you need uh, by having that long of a break between matches so it's really it's really an unfortunate thing and I, I don't know if maybe something will pop up on the schedule if it does it needs to happen soon but you know that is a long time to go and I think that if uh, Spurs can can you know kind of jump on Chelsea early because they will have played and they'll be somewhat uh on in form or maybe not form but they'll be match more match fit more match ready um that could that could shock Chelsea in the first you know five ten minutes or something but yeah um I'm with you they're they're not a great squad and Alex Morgan will make them better but she's also coming back from a pregnancy she hasn't played football in a while um and she's getting herself back into shape and she just definitely does not have the U.S. women's national team around her that Spurs squad is just just a couple not just below so there are a few sort of areas i think that it could possibly cause danger to us and one of that is through their own pressing they're actually quite pretty good at pressing mm-hmm. and um the chances they did have against manchester united came from pressing and came from forcing united to make errors in the back four so like you mentioned if it's the case where you know we're, we're a little bit rusty and we're not um starting as quickly as we want to there's a chance they could score early and uh, the other areas, obviously, they like to play a lot through the flanks, especially Neville. So those are the two areas where I think they will probably focus on in terms of creating chances. And again, you know, even if Morgan is playing, that doesn't exactly guarantee goals, especially from kind of, uh, you know, lack of fitness that she might have with her. But um, if we're able to kind of stunt those two areas of strength, that exactly where they like to play through. And then obviously our own midfield presence and our own attacking contributions. I don't think there's any reason why we can't win that game. And I feel quite confident just based on the the games I've seen Spurs playing. So you're not going to predict that we lose? No, I feel quite confident about this one. <laughs> like even if they have like Morgan, even then, because I just think that they just don't have that clinicality. Even if they were to like create chances and shots, they don't. They haven't scored this season. Even the one goal they had was an, an own goal from West Ham. So, you know. I think we've got this one in the bag. Okay. Well, uh, how in the bag? What is your score prediction? You know, I don't think we'll like run them ragged like four or five nil because they're still a decent enough team. Um, you know, they lost four nil against Arsenal, I think. Um, yeah, that was only kind of like one of the big games they lost. I, I think, you know, three nil, potentially three one in that kind of ballpark region. So which is it? anything close to that. I mean it doesn't <laughs> No, you, you just want me, you just want me to lose. <laughs> no, I want your prediction. This is what we do. Fine, fine. I'm saying 3-1. 
I think it it will be that way. I I was gonna go three one two, so I guess this sure is gonna be you a push. Were. I was, I absolutely was, because I I okay. do think that the rustiness can they can probably get a goal, especially if they press well and they create a chance. But I think after that, the match will settle and Chelsea will be become more like Chelsea as they start playing and get through the uh, as the match goes on. So uh, I was predicting three one. Sorry. That was in my mind. <laughs> I have to deal with it. <laughs> you won't make up any points this week, but oh, we were, it's me. still early. It's still early. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, so, all right. That's it for us. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to rate and review the podcast. It helps us grow uh, an audience. It helps us connect uh, with you guys. Follow us on Twitter as well. Um, that's important. We're at Fran Kirby FC. Is that right? Um, yes. Yep. Yes, that's what we are. Fran, Fran Kirby FC on Twitter. Think about that. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh we should commit that to memory, shouldn't we? But uh yeah, Fran Kirby FC on Twitter. Uh we're gonna start to uh Miriam live tweeted the last game. We're gonna try to live tweet all our games. Uh, one of us will, will be doing it uh, so you guys can follow along, uh hear our thoughts as well as you prepare for the podcast to come out. So um yes, again, uh if you do happen to like the podcast, please rate it, please review it, give us good reviews. We would love to read some nice reviews from you guys. Uh, it's a nice thing to do uh, if you do rate us please give us five stars because if you don't Fran Kirby will be extremely disappointed and you saw what she did to Demi Stokes you do not want that to happen <laughs> to you trust us it's unfortunate sorry Demi you, you were a prop apologies uh, thanks again for listening to uh, you guys and uh, talk to you next week mm-hmm.